Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Charlie, where we are enhancing your complete set of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. Charlie, I hope everyone's listening to that going, what the heck is my internet doing as if it was pausing? Now, fundamentally funny situation happened during the week, Charlie. Have you ever met someone that like just once off and then you exchanged emails and you had an email exchange? Email them, yeah, of course. Email that's, that's happened to me. Like I get introductions to people continually. All the time. And then a couple of days later, you get an email newsletter from them. And then you're like, oh, this is a bit odd. And then the next week, just like clockwork, there's another email newsletter. You're like, I never subscribed to this darn newsletter. Oh, this is like the sleaziest move in email marketing. I almost Actually, I'm going to say, I dislike this more than when I just get added to someone's list, list like randomly without even opting in for anything. No, that was me who added you. <laughs> that was not random. <laughs> but I was just like, I'm like, how bad? How desperate do you need to be in order to build your email list just by any communication with any human being has automatically added it to your email list? I do wonder wait, if wait, they wait, wait, put we're, it I'm in going there. deeper on this. I'm going deeper. I have oh, to. Okay. I've, I've like, you know, got a referral from someone. I've been exchanging emails and they haven't replied to my email. But then I'll, because it's in the inbox, right, and they put you on the list, I'll get the reply email from like their, you know, newsletter or automated sequence. And I'm like, you've literally put me in a sequence and shot one back. <laughs> but you, so you took the time to do that, but you didn't take the time to reply Attack. to the email that we're actually having here. Just don't do that. Dude, I, lo- I, I love it when I get those emails and then it's got like the mandatory unsubscribe at the bottom. <laughs> I'm just like, I know what you're up to. Come on. So, but we don't do that. We don't add people in. So, for anyone who's listening to this going, I would love to hear and read it. You'll hear it. Yeah, sure. Why not? I'd love to read your email newsletter. Head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. Put in your name and email and we will do what normal newsletters do and email you. Now, before we continue, Charlie, let's cue your infamous disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Business and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Business and Investing team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. All right, Grant, had an interesting experience last week. So much so that we're uh, going to make this a podcast episode. I love it. Let's do it. Are you ready for this? I am. So um, I, I went and saw a financial planner last week. You're doing the dirty on me. Yes, I will say the financial advice you have been giving me was not sufficient. I was deeply concerned. <laughs> Wait, there's there been no financial <laughs> advice. Nothing has been communicated. Like, this is not happening. Like, there is nothing. I played the fifth. Oh, Jesus, we're already starting this episode in the gray. I don't like it. Now, to be clear, like even in what I've said here is like I went and saw a financial planner. Like I actually believe in the idea of financial planning. I believe in the idea of hiring experts, people with experience. Like I very much don't like the idea of like servicing your own car or doing your own dentistry. Like it seems to me that if there are people out there with skills and experience, you're far better to be a specialist in what you do. Maximize the returns with your specialist skill set and then utilize the skill sets of others. That's that's the way I'm wired. I'm not a do everything yourself type of guy. I know some people are, not so much me. Don't think you are either, by the way. Definitely not. Definitely not. I just don't have that many tentacles. 
Anyway, I had an interesting experience with this financial planner. I'm not going to name them because I'm actually uh, quite a fan of them still. I I think what they do is great for certain people, just not so much for me. And um, Dive deeper. What do you mean by that? Well, there's two things that really came out of this for me that I've I've looked at here and I'm I'm trying to uh, assess where I went wrong because in the lead up, I, I didn't do this well. Like I went to this financial planner for the wrong reason. And then I also realized that what I was asking for them or looking for from them wasn't aligned at all. So, and, and that really came out in my reflection time after it um, from there. But I'll go through a few things here that I think are really important. So the first thing is I noticed in this meeting that uh, one of the things I was really trying to do by going to see a financial planner was actually outsource responsibility for my wealth. <laughs> that be deep. I mean, this will sound interesting to some people, but I guess understandable to others. It's like I didn't grow up wealthy. Like I've, I've never in my life up until this uh, recent, more recent times actually had wealth of any kind. So once you, if you come from a place where you've had nothing, great place, by the way, because you've got nothing to lose. So have a crack. But when you get to further in the journey and you actually have something, well, now you have something to lose, which is something I haven't necessarily uh, dealt with. So having something makes us a little bit more fearful, right? So like I'm like now going, oh, if I buy this property or do this deal or whatever it is and it comes unstuck, I'm actually risking the things I've done up to this point. Or if I make a business decision and it doesn't pan out, well, shit, I'm risking the business. So the success I've created up until this point is now becoming part of a more fearful version of me where, let's say, if you go back earlier on in the journey, let's go five years plus, is like, I was just like, let's do it. Yeah, like the, the, yeah. You've got not as much to lose, where now you've got much more to lose that would take a while to rebuild. So now it's like, how do I play defense with a bit of offense as opposed to complete offense with no defense? Yeah, so this was the second part of the awareness that came to me. Is And I love the analogy in tennis because I think this is a really great way to think about it. Like if the ball comes over the net, are you just trying to get it back over the net and not make a mistake or are you trying to win the point? Because there's a big difference between not hitting a loser and hitting a winner. right? And they, and they make the claim in tennis, like if you want to be the uh, champion of your local club, all you've got to do is like not hit losers because the other person is likely to. So the whole game is, you know, minimizing your mistakes. But if you want to win Wimbledon or the Australian Open, you got to hit winners. Like when that ball comes down, you are absolutely like line shot to to win the point. Like you're not playing that type of game. And so I finished this meeting with the financial planner and there was a few things that uh, smashed me from this. One is the deference of responsibility is like I'd become, you know, fearful of how I'm managing my wealth, what moves I should make next. And become so overwhelmed with options and ideas that it was like I was looking to get rid of that decision. And then the next part of it was is that the idea of that was brought up in here was that this particular financial planner, which I'm, I get why they do it and is probably right for a lot of people, not me though, was more around the idea of like let's not hit losers. So you know, to be successful from here, it's about not making mistakes with wealth. And I'm like. If I look at conservative returns on average and ongoing here, like I'll probably I'll be okay, but I ain't going to hit my goals. I was, dude. I was going to say maybe go get a government job as well, man. 
I'll, uh, I'll write your resume for you in your cover letter. <laughs> well, if anyone is looking, um, I'm available apparently now. Seems, seems like I'm, that's I'm looking for certainty and security, Grant. I was going to say, I'm like, you've gone backwards on me. Oh, this was the aggressive Charlie. Like, where are you at? I, I nearly wasn't going to bring this up on the podcast because I, I, I actually was a little bit embarrassed by this because perceivably in a lot of ways, like I like to represent myself on this podcast as, you know, someone that's, you know, done some stuff. And uh, I, I nearly wasn't going to bring it up, but then I thought to myself, do you know what? We all slip at times. It, it, it does happen. Like I've gotten up on certain days and been a pessimist and being negative because, you know, the, the world wasn't going my way. Um, but in general, I've now developed the skills to work through that mindset and do things in a, in a much better way from there. Now, what I didn't realize, though, is I'd slipped into this funk with my wealth because of achieving a certain level of success. And I think people who listen to this pod are going to go through this as well. Like they're going to hit that point. And I'm hoping you've got an example of that, which I really should have said, uh, asked that, otherwise I'm going to be flying lone here. Well, the way that I look at it is it's peaks and troughs. Like you you execute the best in the business when you have the most energy and then you execute the worst when you've got the least amount of energy. And it comes back with uh, feast and famine, right? Like the, the time that you make a heap of money is usually when you've got the most amount of sales, but then you need to deliver the most amount of sales, which means that it decreases the amount of money you have. And so to your point, Right, every time that you hit a new milestone, you're consistently looking backwards, going, Well, now I've got all this to protect and I've also got to grow on top of it. And so you've just hit this milestone and I I know a lot about it, which is you've got so much to lose that the upside of just going pure aggressive like you have over the last five plus years is not going to work the same way it once did, because then you're just adding potentially more risky assets to a portfolio or potentially you're trying to apply the exact same strategy that used to work that you might not think will work into the future, which means now you're not going to get the same returns that you're thinking about, which means that it's almost, I'm not suggesting that it's paralysis analysis, but it almost gets to this point of going, well, now where do I go? Like, do I just continue doing the same thing? Who do I trust? Like, I've got this nest egg for the family and future generations. Like, where to from here? Which is, it is a natural next step to go, who would other people lean on? Where would other people get the insights from? How does other people approach these situations that I'm now stepping into? Can I throw one more thing into this? It's directly correlated to when we started taking more risk in business and also when I started like moving house um, and, and changing up environment. So it's like there's, um, as we've made business more risky because we're doing more, it's not that it's more risky, right? It's just that as you grow a company aggressively and you're doing way more things, you're absolutely playing with more risk. Don't still believe in it. But then the other side of moving, it's there's a huge amount of risk and uncertainty in this area of my life. And it's like my willingness to take as much risk in the investing side of my life is like, no, no, I want government bonds for everything. It's like... <laughs> Dude, that'd be the day. Sell it all. Which I didn't. I don't, I don't believe I own any government bonds. Uh, there might be some in my super. Actually, I, I might check that. I might buy you one for for your birthday. Thank <laughs> just, you. Just to put it into that. But I, I, I like your certainty and uncertainty layer because this is so malleable and it changes all the time, right? Like you've got so much more uncertainty in the business, not in the sense of its success or not being successful. It is more, there's just more moving parts and it's moving at a faster rate. And things are happening that consume your time, your effort, your problem-solving abilities. Where, where previously you would have been able to take a lot of that time and effort and put it into investments and go, yep, I can build so much 
um, uncertainty in the investments because the business is churning along. It's quite certain. It's quite stable, which means it doesn't need as much energy. It doesn't need as much thought. It doesn't need as much of my focus when now it's gone the complete opposite way where you've almost like just gone yin and yang. It's like whoop, back to this and back to that. Have you found the same for you? Have you and specifically make it business and investing is like when you're when business is more intensive, you've gone more conservative in investing, and then when business is more stable, you've gone way more risk in investing. Completely. And even to the point of it being so unplanned, right? So business will get to a point like imagine you're pushing in business right now and the goal that you're going for is to generate a million dollars in revenue in a year. Right. And just say, well, if I can have a million dollars recurring revenue every single year, then I'll be able to take home X amount and I'm going to be really happy with that. Like that's a great milestone. And then you kind of get there and you look at it and you say, great, I can maintain this. I know how to operate here, but now I've got all this free time that I was putting into sales and marketing. I was putting into building a team and recruitment. I was doing all these things. What do I do with my spare time? And so previously for myself in that spare time, I would leave. Wait, wait, you would start another company. <laughs> Stop looking at my notes. And uh, <laughs> no, I would. Little 20 year old Grant, 110% would have and did. That is exactly what he did with his spare cash in his spare time. But the more mature Grant um, would actually lean into one of two things. It was, it was health or investments, right? So I would go, great. You know what? I'm going to go on a, on a two day fast or I'm going to go harder at the gym or I'm going to do these things. Or I would say, you know what? I'm going to pick up um, a couple more books, do a couple more seminars and educate myself around different assets or look into the property portfolio and see what I can do to actually change it. Because it was just that I had so much certainty in one area of my life. But then think about inversely, if I was trying to build a business to a million dollars of recurring revenue each year, well, how much time and effort am I spending on building the investment side? And it's like not much at all. And so I've seen that hugely so, even in points when I'm like, I've got liquidity, to go and invest heavy, I won't invest anything at all. Like it will just sit there as money in a bank account, compounding and growing and doing whatever it is because I just need to put my time, effort and focus on something else, (laughs) right? And I'm just like, I can't, if I chase two rabbits at once, I'm going to catch none. Where if I just chase one rabbit, I'll be able to catch one rabbit. I'm sure the person's out there, right? I'm sure there's someone out there right now growing an astronomical business while, uh, you know, trading on massive leverage in the options or futures market while doing high-risk property development in mining towns. I'm sure they're out there. That sleep and knife factory is not in my, in my life at all. They've probably got triplets as I well as home. You just had something <laughs> pill or something like that going on. Ooh, the uh, Man, your ability to rise to that occasion. Wow. For the person that's out there. By the way, if that's you, reach out. I'd love to speak to you. It's sustainability though. Like No one can sustain sitting at 8,000 RPMs or 10,000 RPMs just consistently. Just by... All the time. Well, I wonder if this is the conversation people need to have with themselves is like, where am I taking my risk right now? Where am I dealing with the most uncertainty? Because I find for both of us, we generally go on it's either business or investing, right? We're generally focused in one of these camps and the other one tends to be more maintained. Yep. Like when you and I first started buying property, the media company was very like consistent. We weren't overly growing, we weren't going down, we we're at a replenish rate. Now we're actively growing an ads agency so aggressively is that I feel like we are not taking those risks in investing like we once were. And not at all. And it's, yeah, because I'm like, well, when something demands my time, I just don't have it and I just right. can't put it too fast. 
I want to get to the end of the story though, and then I want to ask if you've uh, had. Some <laughs> oh yeah, you were telling the story. Do you want I was to telling the story. So I, I go out of this financial planning meeting like really deflated, as I said, because I'd realised outsourced responsibility. I'd now become aware that like, hang on, you've become low risk and you're not taking uh, responsibility for your investments. I'd also seen the Bernie Madoff documentary uh, on Netflix, and that came into my mind. Of it's like, all a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> No, I, I do think this financial planner is a great financial planner for the right people. But again, if I was looking to not make mistakes and, um, like, again, play defense, just get it over the net, get, you know, it's about not making mistakes from here, maybe a better fit for me. But I'm not. I'm looking to hit winners. And I know I'm going to be looking to hit winners again. So, uh, again, right alignment to the right person. And then also this other side of what was going on with me, not taking responsibility not the awareness of where I'm getting to it. And as I said, very like I went for a long walk after this meeting and just like really like I was like, have I lost my edge? Like this is, this is, no, this is not the way I want to play it. This is a wake-up call. <laughs> did, did you have like the, the knee-jerk like, stuff that guy. That guy has no idea. Like he doesn't know what I'm going through. Like was that like a, the immediate knee-jerk and then upon reflection you're like, I actually know, wait, this is a me. <laughs> I went straight to taking responsibility in that yeah. moment. I'd realised, though, before it, I had not been. Interesting. And it's interesting that if I look on it, I suspect, as I said, since we started growing the uh, ad agency aggressively, I'd really stopped. I'd lost that frame. I feel as though that is, you would be the exception to the norm. I think it would be more people on the other side after they'd outsourced and go like outsource the accountability for the wealth creation to be more specific. And they've said to themselves, wait a second, what control do I actually have over this as opposed to you prior to making that decision? Because it is such an easy decision where now they've, they've gone, great, let's go play it safe. And you're like, yes, that aligns to exactly where I'll, I need to be. And they say, well, here's the magic pill. Here's the approach that we're going to take to it. And you say, well, that aligns to the exact need that I need. And then a couple of years down the line after the agency in this example stabilized, got to a place where you're happy with it. And then you go, okay, let's go look back and you go, oh, wait, <laughs> there was actually a better play that I could have taken accountability for myself. Oh, that's what I should have done at that time. I wonder, I wonder your thoughts on why you believe that you were so aware of it after the case. Because you walked into the meeting not aware of it, but then you walked out of it aware of it. It was when I realized I wasn't going to hit my goals if I go this path. That was the thing. I was like, I'm off course. Yeah, the gold. Yeah. So w when I realized that, um, so even when you look back on this, right, every time uh, I've taken ultimate responsibility, which, you know, starting a business, like perceivably a terrible idea when you look at the uh, stats, but it's like, you know, you take ultimate resp responsibility for that. Or when you have a child and you're going to take ultimate responsibility for that. But taking responsibility has been something that when I've done it properly has worked for me. Yep. So I'm not like anti-taking responsibility. I'm for it. It's also way more empowering. You can do something when you're taking responsibility. When you're a victim of situation, it's like, well, then it's at the whim of the weather or someone else if you can be successful or not. I think business owners in general are great at taking responsibility. So finish this meeting. I'm, I'm taking responsibility. I realize I'm off course. And then on this walk, what I actually do is I, I open up my Apple Notes and I've got my um, – vision for my life in there and my goals in a note. And I open this note and I reread it and I assess it against my recent actions and gone, of course. Mm. And then I go, I ask myself on this walk, I go, are these the right goals? 
has anything changed that would have me think the goals and things I'm going after in life are not the right ones right now? Do I need to reassess that? And I, I did tweak some on the uh, walk. Like I was looking at this and going, you know, based on uh, moving to the city and what I'm enjoying now in Melbourne, which shout out if anyone uh, comes to Melbourne or is interested in uh, a co- uh, catch up, please send through. I am taking meetings. Dinner, dinner club, <laughs> coffee catch up. Dinner club Everything. is uh, definitely something I've been starting, which has been good fun. So by the time this podcast comes out, hopefully some people uh, on their way through will start uh, hitting me up for that. But anyway. So realign to that uh, idea of like taking ultimate responsibility. I checked my goals and then what what came apparent to me is that I have not found another mentor when I really should. Mm. From a wealth perspective? Yeah, specifically on the wealth side here. So business, I've been very fortunate in to have excellent mentors and I, and I still do, which is great, which no surprise. I feel very clear in, on how to act and behave in a certain way when it comes to business side of things. A huge reason why we're uh, doing quite well is I'm constantly, you know, peeking over the fence and asking someone going, hey, you've gone further down the road than I, how do I get through this next bit? And I'm not, and I want to make it really clear here. It's not to defer the responsibility of getting to the next bit. It's to take that information, bring it to us, and then use that as a power on being responsible to progress to that next part of the journey. I'm not deferring the success of the business onto some business mentor and going, what would you do doing and go, oh, it didn't work. It's your fault. Right. <laughs> Ma- That's not how it is. Take it all on. I don't want to deal with anything. It's interesting because over the journey, I've seen, and we've covered it on the podcast before, like you've had your investments. Uh, reviewed by various people to try and get them to identify where your gaps are. Like It's almost like, what am I not seeing here? What are the risks that I'm uncertain of? What do I have too much of? What do I have too little of? Where am I? All of those kind of layers. And it's like this step of going, okay, well, maybe there's another step further, which is my, maybe in this example, I'll use an extreme point, outsourcing complete accountability versus taking accountability and bringing in other people's professional ideas on you, the decisions that you make. It's almost like you've gone back to what you've done in the past, which is why it's, it's a really interesting observation around like that blip on the radar of like that almost outsourcing accountability because I needed that kind of certainty. And then you fall back to going, you know what? That's exactly what I need is someone else to come in and realign me and help me understand how do I get through the next glass ceiling? How do I break through the current mental gaps? Like for all someone might say is like, Charlie, no, you like the current wealth that you have, you need to risk it all. Like, <laughs> or they say, no, you need to sit on top of the, the piles of that. Like that needs to be secure. And you're just thinking about it a completely different way. And then you make the ultimate decision on the other side. I think this brings up so many important points. I was like, well, number one, when's the last time you assessed your peer group and mentors? Because if you are getting to a point where you feel like I did, so in the start of this where it's like I'm, I'm not aligned clearly, I'm looking to outsource responsibility, I think the mistake I made was, one, not reassessing my goals. I should have looked at my goals more astutely earlier in that. But two is like I haven't had a wealth mentor um, in quite a while. Like I haven't gone down that path and I think assessing and upgrading your mentors as you get further in the line becomes even more critical here. Yeah, as you, especially as you outgrow others or you start exploring into other areas of wealth, right? Like it, as you continue to grow, every area of wealth just expands. Your option, opportunities change. The people in your network change. The size of capital changes. 
right? Like <laughs> the the potential opportunities of what you're going to buy is just fundamentally different. Completely. Once upon a time, investing a hundred grand was like out of my league. The idea of being able to do it was inconceivable. Where it's like now, it's like that's not even. It wouldn't even register a difference to be worth it. Like we've got to be thinking bigger than that. And to to put that into perspective, like for myself, when I was first buying property, uh, I would look at a property that is even as low as two hundred grand, two hundred fifty thousand. I think the first purchase I bought was two hundred eighty-two thousand off the top of my head. Um, where now it's like it's too small. I just go. I don't want to deal with the management overhead. I don't want to sort of deal with the transactional costs. All these things. It needs to be a certain size. So like I wouldn't buy look at any, buying anything lower than about half a million dollars now, just because of the stage that I'm at from the wealth crash. And it's not that there's no money to be made at the yeah, lower. And I don't want to poo-poo small investments no, either. This is, I don't want to have it because when you're at that stage in the journey and it is a big deal. But that's my point, right? It's, just, it's not that there's no money to be made there. There 100% is. And I would look at those opportunities and I'd still potentially go, oh, that might be good. But it's more of the other lens of going, well, there's other opportunities that are open based on the capital that I have available now, right? But then as you continue to step into maybe – yeah, well, like Warren Buffett isn't going and looking for yes. units or trying to buy, you know, two shares of a company. No, to- totally, right? <laughs> like the investment he would make um, when, yeah, the, we won't talk about specific shares, but like when these companies were starting out, like he would like acquire 100% of the company based on the investments that he needs to make to generate the returns for his portfolio, right? Where when you're starting out, those returns is exactly what you're looking for because you just don't have the capital behind you. And that's why I really like this consistent upgrading and consistently changing the way that you view it because you always have to evolve, especially as you continue to grow. Well, this is what I've learned from it. This is the sign. When you are seeking certainty, when you are feeling like you, instead of trying to hit the winners that are going to achieve your goals, you find yourself playing defense, that's when you need to upgrade. That's when you're not aligned, you haven't got the right peers, you haven't got the right network. You've got to come back and assess those things so you can get more in tune to it. Like I, I will say, you do an excellent job of pushing me, right? So peer group wise, I am the most competitive with you in my life, undoubtedly. It's because you keep losing. I understand why. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down. He's up, steamer. Yeah, but if you haven't got the mentorship signed right, it's like you're just very aggressively playing defense. Hey, totally. It's like, come on, that's not going to get me where I need to go here. But I do think the reason I even saw this financial planner was because of our camaraderie here. Our uh, companionship and competitiveness was drove, driving me to want to do more, yep. which is a very powerful thing. But I, I want to shift this here because we've, we've always, I've dragged out this story of the financial planner and the feelings that have gone into it. But I suspect many people have reached those points and they've got to find their ways to snap through them. Otherwise, like there's a stagnation that's there. When, when have you found yourself not taking ultimate responsibility? Do we like re-unpackage uh, the, I'll call them the the times that I have done lazy investments. So where in, in these examples, business is very busy, right? So think of if I've got 100% of my time available, assume or imagine I'm allocating 90% of it into the business, right? So 10% I have allocated to some kind of wealth creation or otherwise. This is when I see myself get lazy or previously get lazy in my investments where I start leaning on what my friends are doing. So it's almost like, hey, Charlie, what, uh, what crypto coin are you looking to invest in? And then you'll say a coin and I'll watch a YouTube video and go get, go get some confirmation bias and be like, I'm in. 
Right, because and and I I, I did that with a friend who's very successful at um, share investing and crypto investing out of the US, and this is going back years ago, where I just got way too busy. I had money in a bank account, and I was essentially like, "Man, what are you seeing? What's the next thing you're jumping on?" Can I ask you an unpacking of that? So let, let's say uh, Grant's busy in business world. Yep. He gets a, maybe a little bit of FOMO on a crypto wave or whatever it is. He looks over to a friend and sees someone that's you know perceivably getting results and just invests with whatever they're doing, never takes the time to be responsible and like look under the rug. Completely. And But the best thing about it is that if it didn't do well, I knew that he was going to feel pain as well as me, which meant that we both had a common enemy together. So we were like, yeah, screw that thing. But also. I knew that it was never my responsibility if it did drop because I knew that he'd done all this research. Well, I assumed he'd done all this research and all this analysis yeah. and all these things. Right? But And then looking back at it, it's not the case that I wanted to double or 10x my money or anything like that. It was more like I needed or I perceived that I needed to invest outside of the business and I had the capital to do it. I just didn't have the time allocated to it, which means that I made worse decisions to outsource the accountability and responsibility for actually though what I was getting involved in. So in, in your case here, where did the awareness come from? Did the investment go bad and you were like, I plead the I, I just say, I try not to swear. <laughs> or did you like go, was there a, like maybe business calmed down and you're like looking at this and going, I don't really know what I'm holding here? It was after I did it a couple of times from a couple of friends um, and it was just like diversification and mostly it was, it was in crypto and one of them completely tanked, like it went basically down to zero and most people would have seen it and <laughs> are aware of exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and that's when I looked at it and I said, okay, well, why? Why did I not see this coming and why was I not aware of this? And it was almost like Brexit, right? Like everybody voted to get- Wait, I'm loving this already. Yeah, How does this become like Brexit? Well, it was uh, everybody voted for Brexit. Like, yep, cool, Brexit happens. And then the most searched term after Brexit goes through is, what does Brexit mean? And that was almost me. It was like this crypto coin disappeared. It went to like nothing. And then I went back and did more research about it. Like, what did I not know? What did I not see? And like all the red flags appeared. And I'm like, well, why did I not see this? <laughs> and it's like, if I had have like looked at this with this level of scrutiny before I got into it, probably wouldn't have gone into it. And yeah, that's, not taking responsibility is very expensive. And that's the thing, right? And so then after the fact, it was, oh, I'm aware that I did not do, like I'm a smart person. I just didn't do the scrutiny, did not take accountability, which meant that I completely outsourced it to somebody else. And now I'm left essentially with my heart and lack of money in the hands for that decision or that investment. And I need to progress forwards. And I got no one to blame but myself. It's like, I can't go to my friend and be like, wow, you, you ruined me and you, you got me into a bad investment or these things. It's like, no, at the end of the day, it was my decision. And it was my money that I made a decision on. Like, I can't outsource it at all. I was the one that pushed the button. What are some ways you can, like, take more responsibility in your life? Just be accountable and educate yourself. I think that's it. Like, education is the key, right? And to use the example that we'll talk about with you, where you went and got people to assess your portfolios, at the end of the day, like, they can't go and push the button for you. They can't put a deposit on a house. They can't do these things for you. You have to do it yourself which means all we can do is educate ourselves the best that we possibly can, manage our downside if something doesn't do well, and then make, uh, make sure that we are accountable for whatever outcome comes from it. Like Those are the three fundamental layers. It's get educated, bring in information wherever you can, and just be willing 
to ride the peaks and troughs as it comes. I've got this saying that I, I mean, I must get re in touch with, I must uh, say, on the back of this because they clearly wouldn't. But I would rather fail by my own sword, right? By my own decision, calling my own shot, than succeed under someone else's. Completely. Right. And that's the whole notion that it's like, oh, I know I will regret not backing myself later in life and being that responsible person over just following the whims of what everyone else is doing. But it's also the success, right? Like, I. I look at all my friends who their parents bought them cars when we were turning 18 versus myself. I went and got a loan and bought my car. And I cleaned that car like four times a week. It was spotless. It was vacuumed consistently. And their car always had scratches and dints and was dirty and everything. Right? But I learned so much about maintenance, upkeep, what goes into insurance and rego, just how expensive a car is and all these things, where they kind of came back to the other side of going, I got no idea. Like They bought their second cars and they just did not know all of these expenses and didn't have anything on the other side. And I look at that very similar in the sense of wealth creation. It's like, imagine that I put my money into one of these crypto coins and it, and it skyrocketed. It went 10x, right? Like, I think that I'm a genius and I think that I can do it again, but I actually have none of the skills <laughs> to actually do it. So when I do it, the probability of me not being successful significantly is lower than if I was on the other side where I'd done the work, I'd put in the effort, I'd essentially buying my own car in this example. Um, and then it does skyrocket, I go, oh, this is great. Or, you know what, if it doesn't and it goes backwards, okay, what did I learn? Well, this was the analysis I did and this is the decision I made. Okay, well, next time, what am I going to do differently? The buck stops with us, That's ultimate the- responsibility. I, I would encourage everyone, and we might even wrap up on this point, I think it's important to check in where you're not taking ultimate responsibility. Every part I think of That's life. what stands to hurt you. <laughs> That's a deep point we're going to finish on. There's so much to unpack on that one point. <laughs> all right. If you're listening to this and you go, I want to hear you unpack all those points that just sat under that one sentence that Charlie said at the end, I got something for you. Head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your name and email and subscribe, and we'll notify you every single time we drop one of these episodes every single week. Charlie, awesome episode. <laughs> well, this was fun. I will still keep looking for the financial planner that is right for me. But until then, <laughs> one day, I reckon on that wall, we got a tally of how many you've spoken to. <laughs> Taking responsibility, Grant. Too right. All right, catch you on the next episode of Business and Investing. Jeez, I can't even speak. Business and Investing. <laughs>